I have some big news. I'm so excited. I'm launching the first ever guided mind love course just in time for the new year. It's a 30-day mindset transformation to help you learn to overcome negative thinking and develop new healthy thought habits. Learning to master your mindset can help you be a better friend, mother, sister, wife. It can help you become more productive. It can help you set and achieve bigger, better goals. Your mind is where everything starts. Plus, one of your resolutions should be entirely dedicated to you and your own personal growth. So this is the perfect way to start the new year as your best self and give your mind a little love. We kick off January 6th, and since this is the first time launching it, you're going to get some extra special attention. We'll have weekly group coaching, personalized feedback from me, and some exclusive surprises. For more info, go to mindlove.com course or text course to 444-999. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 59. Today's episode is all about overcoming mindset blocks, just in time for your New Year's resolutions. Oh, and Happy New Year! Understanding and accepting, through whatever means possible, that your worth as a human being is unconditional. You could be doing something altruistic, something awesome, but if you're doing it because you're constantly trying to prove your worth, it's going to be a house of cards. Right. Like the minute it gets really hard, you're going to have a crisis of faith. The thing is going to fall apart in you. It's going to feel really awful. The exact same thing if you're doing it from a place of complete worth, maybe as a way to figure out what your why is or in pursuit of your why or because you're so intrinsically passionate about what it is. The exact same failures feel circumstantial. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Please stop what you're doing and hit the subscribe button. More subscribers means even better guests and even more value. Plus, it helps grow the show so more people can find it. And if you ask me, everyone can use a little more mind love. And if you need another reason, I would really appreciate it. Hi, friends. I'm really excited about today's episode because it is actionable and timely. It's New Year's Day today. Happy New Year, everybody. And I know people like you have resolutions. Did you know 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by February? And only 8% of people actually achieve their resolutions. So today, we're going to make sure that you are in that 8%. My whole life, I have loved resolutions. I'd get all pumped up and write these big lists of things I've always wanted to do and places I wanted to go and even languages I wanted to learn. Somehow, I planned to be fluent in French by the end of the year. Well, I'd get about a week in, and then they'd just completely fade away. But last year, everything changed. But here's the thing. I took a course about 18 months ago about goal setting. And the first step before we even got into the goals was addressing our limiting beliefs or mindset blocks. Well, I'm going to be honest. When I was doing them, I thought it was kind of dumb. I honestly thought that this person was just trying to fill up her course and make it seem like it had more content. So suddenly I had to carry around this notebook and identify anytime a negative thought came up or fear came up that was causing me to procrastinate. Well, I had actually seen some of these exercises before and I tried to half-ass them, like just thinking about it instead of actually writing it. 
But this time, I was determined to make a big change in my life, so I thought, I'm going to do what everybody tells me to do. I'm going to follow through on every step in this course that I take. I carried around a notebook and wrote about each one as it came up. While doing this, I realized, yeah, there were the things that came up that I already knew about, like fear it might fail or perfectionism. But as the day went on, some new ones came up. And the surprising one was that I realized I was worried I might be too ADD to accomplish anything. And it was surprising because that's what I had always heard about my dad before he died, which I feel bad even saying, but it was the truth. Well, after I did this exercise, I suddenly, maybe miraculously, was able to complete shit. It still blows my mind. So did something change inside of me or was it something else? I guess I'll never know for sure, but now I know whenever I'm going to do something new, I make sure to take the step of identifying my limiting beliefs or my mindset blocks. And I know from the 60 plus interviews I've done on this show that that is the first step that most coaches get clear with their clients on is what's holding them back in the first place. It's all about clearing out and priming your subconscious so you take back your control. We definitely address this in the 30-day course that starts January 7th. So if you're looking for a great self-focused resolution, which one of them should always be, that'll help you go into 2019 as your best self, make sure to check that out at mindlove.com course. Well, today we're talking to Amanda Crowell. Amanda is an improvement coach with a PhD in cognitive psychology. She helps educators and individuals gain clarity on their goals and basically get better at getting better. Two years ago, she wrote an article for Quartz on the three mindsets shared by people who actually follow through on their goals, and it went viral. So today we're getting our own little mini coaching session so we can become one of those people just in time for our New Year's resolutions. Three key things we will learn are the three mindset blocks getting in the way of your goals. Before we get started, I want to tell you about the best way to stay in your highest frequency between episodes. Thousands of listeners are loving my daily morning mind love emails. They're short daily reminders of your own beauty, magic, and power so you can start each day with your best mindset. Just go to mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get a really cool free booklet of Powerless based on proven methods from the most successful people in the world to automate your highest decisions. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation. It's set with a binaural frequency known as the Miracle Tone, which is known to make you a magnet for love, health, and abundance. Then it's layered with affirmations to perfectly tune your frequency for transformation. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Amanda Crowell to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, to get started, let's get a little background on you. How did you initially get interested in psychology? There's a joke about psychologists that everyone who becomes a psychologist does that to figure out what's wrong with them. And I definitely think that that was my story too. I mean, I certainly found it to be true. Once you get a PhD in psychology, you know a lot of psychologists. So you tend to specialize in the area that you were most confused about or interested in or invested in your own self as you were growing up. So for me, it came down to sort of how do you communicate with people so that you can connect deeply with them? How do you communicate about your 
ideas? How do you change your mind about issues of social importance? Like how can we talk across differences and things like that? So I had a master's degree and a PhD, both basically in the realm of like, how do you teach people how to think more critically and then talk across differences about the beliefs that they hold? So that's what my PhD was in. And now I'm a coach and I help coaches and therapists who are all very psychologically minded, help them get more clients so they can build a bigger business, make more money, have a bigger impact. And a lot of that comes down also to the way that they are able to step into their expertise and stop being an imposter and begin to build a business through action over time once they sort of step around the mindset blocks that sort of are keeping them locked in a place of stuck and overwhelmed. So I think that's my story. I mean, there's much, of course, there's, we all could tell 17 versions of our story, but that's the one that's like, why are you a psychologist? When you were first learning about how the mind works and how we work and what we follow through on, do you remember what your first aha moment was where you were like, wow, we have more control than we think we do? I don't know if it was my first, but certainly my most powerful and the most relevant to the work that I'm doing now was, so my origin story, sort of my superhero origin story, is that I was a very high achiever forever, very successful in air quotes. But also, looking back on it now, I realized kind of locked in a closet or a prison of my own making, because I would only allow myself to do things I was already good at. And I would never allow myself to do the things that called to me, but there was a, a risk I would be bad at it, especially, and this is the thing that that is so insidious, if I thought I would be good at it, but I wasn't 100% sure, I really wouldn't go and do those things. Because to find out, like I thought I could be, but I actually wasn't, it was much, much, much too risky. So I, I got my PhD, I was doing a postdoc, and I wanted to come back to New York City where I live. And so I decided to take a job at a school improvement partnership organization. So this is a consulting company that goes in and works with schools to help them make sustainable change, as opposed to sort of top-down policy decisions, which don't work. And when I got in there and I started helping these schools make these changes, I realized that these principles of the academic mindsets that keep students disengaged from school and also the methods and tools of school improvement were such a potent combination that I thought at around this time I had, I thought to myself, I wonder if this could work in my life. And I really needed it to work in my life because at this time I'd had two children and I'd never exercised ever, never, ever, like not at all, ever. But I needed to because my back really hurt and I wasn't able to be the kind of mother that I wanted to be. I like couldn't pick up my kids. I couldn't sit on the ground and play with them. And I, I was distraught. I was bereft. I was, this cannot be, this can't be my life. In that moment, two and two came together. And I was like, well, I'm going to see if I can make my own self change by really getting clear on the mindset blocks, um, these, these specific blocks around accomplishment, which are the ones we're talking about today, and then use the principles of school improvement the small experiments, the studying, the way you make change, accepting failure, all of these things, see if I could change myself. And I, it's not like the first time I ever tried to exercise, right? I tried and tried and tried. It's totally unsuccessfully, but this time it actually really worked. I began to work out and taught myself how to run. And there are so many embarrassing stories about that. And then 
taught myself how to swim and taught myself how to bike. And then inexplicably to everyone, especially me, did a triathlon and a half marathon. So I was like, this is remarkable. It should not be the way we talk about ourselves and the way how we are of a personality and of a type. And we have these strengths and these weaknesses and those things lock us in this closet, right? These are the things I can do and everything else is just not open to me is totally false because you can actually do anything you want. If you just get really clear about exactly in which ways you're blocked and then move around them and then get into quick action with the right mindset in place. And honest, I swear that it is true that anything is possible. That was the origin story. And since then, lots of other things have opened up to me. I feel like I've been released from this sort of like a grayscale closet and out into the technicolor world. I'm writing, I'm exercising. I know it sounds crazy, but like comfortable at the grocery store. It was such an overwhelming place for me. Like big and little things have been resolved. And I feel so much better about my life. And in that moment, I realized that other people really need to know this too, because we're all just keeping ourselves down when we could, in fact, be living the life of our dreams. Well, most of our mindset blocks live in the subconscious. So a lot of times it's hard to even realize that they're there until we identify them. Like for me, I realized one day that in my family, the man was always the breadwinner. So I had this blockage around women making money, which... Logically, I know it's crap, but it would show itself by fear creeping in when I started something new. But it took me 33 years to realize that. So what are some of the first steps to get clear on what mindset blocks are holding you back? So these specific blocks, the three that I tend to talk about, are the mindset blocks. You can be blocked in lots of ways. Of course, there are common roots. But these particular ones are the way they manifest around accomplishment. So things that you want to accomplish. And that has its roots in school research, but it also applies to anything that you're trying to accomplish, build a business, whatever, get a new job, doesn't matter. I help people build businesses. And honestly, one thing I like to be really clear with people about when it comes to mindsets is the clarity that you get from understanding your mindsets is step one. It really is never enough to actually transform your life. It's the actions you take once you move around your mindsets. But to get clear on the mindsets is actually not too difficult because it just requires a little bit of time and self-reflection. So the stories really resonate with people. I've never had anybody listen to the three mindsets and not say, I know exactly which of these, which two of these. And if you're really blocked, probably all three are at play. So the first one is that you believe there's something fundamentally about you that makes it not possible for you to do it, that you can't do it in a fundamental way. This in academic research is, and many people talk about it now outside of academics, is what Carol Dweck refers to as the growth mindset. She talks about it as beliefs about your fundamental intelligence. Is fundamental intelligence something that was granted by God or genetics at birth and you either have it or you don't and that's it? Or Do you believe that intelligence is something that is actually the outcome of effort over time? So it's not a transformation, but if you put in effort, smart, determined effort over a course of time, you develop the intelligence required to do the thing. So we can have a fixed mindset about other things as well, like our emotional worth and things like that. But it's easiest to think of it in terms of, do you believe that there's something about your personality or your intelligence that 
forecloses you from doing it. So a good example of this is when somebody wants to be a business person, but thinks that they're fundamentally bad at math, right? Like I'm just the classic, classic comment people make with a fixed mindset. I'm just not a math person. Right? Like how many people have you heard say that? We have an epidemic in our country of people who believe they are just not a math person. So when you believe fundamentally that you're just not a math person, then aspects of business feel very uncomfortable and way like out of your reach, having a budget, being strategic, those kinds of things. So if you believe that there's something fundamental about you that makes you, it's almost impossible for you to be successful, then your brain, basically what it does is it's holding two commitments and it cycles between those commitments. So it'll say, I really want to get a better invoicing system in place for my business. I am not a math person, but I want to get this thing for my business, but I'm not a math person. And I'm sure you've heard of ego fatigue as your brain has 27 decisions it can make a day. And once you start making the decisions, you lose your ego, your decision-making ability or willpower. So each of those decisions, I want to do this thing that involves math. I'm just not a math person, but I want to do, but I can't, but I want to, but I can't, is like this all you use up all of your willpower, cycling back and forth between those commitments. And that sort of way that mindsets get in your way, basically what your brain will do is this is nonsense. We're going to take you out of, it's why it feels so mysterious when you're blocked in your mindset, because you'll be like, I'm going to do this invoicing thing. And before you know it, the whole week is gone and you've done nothing. And basically what's happening is you start to do it, your brain gets stuck in that loop, it redirects you and sends you back to Netflix. I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in LA. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Allo Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? <laughs> they have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, hit classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Allo Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. EstroControl is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. 
It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way EstroControl eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. EstroControl was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. EstroControl is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and EstroControl is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. So basically, your desire to do something and your belief of it being possible to do aren't in alignment. So what do we do to start to align our desire with our beliefs? Or how do we warm ourselves up to the belief that something is possible? Yeah, yes. And that's what you have to do. So this particular growth fixed mindset, the first mindset block, the best thing you can do is, okay, so everybody's sort of natural inclination is to say, I'm going to force myself to do it. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to tie myself to the desk and I'm going to sit there and grind my way through it. And it's like the absolute, in this case, worst thing to do. Because if you sit down and grind through it, you will inevitably fail. And then you will be deeper entrenched into the belief that you can't do it. So what you have to do instead, stop treating yourself like yourself and treat yourself like your best friend, like a dog in a corner, right? You have to coax yourself into it, bring yourself out. So if you can think of the smallest possible thing that you could do 
to get a little closer. So I say, just get a little closer today. And then I always tell people, think about what you think is the smallest step, then make it smaller and make it smaller and then do that. And sometimes it's as much as like saying to your husband or your boyfriend or your best friend, like, you know, I think I'm going to automate my invoicing or I think I'm going to exercise. I might start exercising and that's it. Just saying it out loud to someone you trust might be the first step. And the minute you do it, then you celebrate it. You savor it, right? Because, I mean, you and I have talked about this before, like the way that the pathways in your neurons, the way that those get stronger and thicker is by repeating the pathway. So if you do something and you succeed and then you savor it, your memory of the thing and the thing itself are identical to your brain with a couple of small changes. It basically repaves the pathway when you're savoring it. So you celebrate, you get a glass of wine, get in the bathtub, like lounge around, like really celebrate yourself and give yourself a ton of credit. And then what people inevitably say to me is, but Amanda, how am I ever going to insert transformative thing here? And I always say your smallest possible step gets exponentially bigger over time. But you can't start in that bigger space because you'll freak yourself out, you'll fail and you'll shut yourself down. So that is the worst thing you could do for that particular mindset. So we start with a small step and then celebrate our small wins. We talk about that a lot here. You also mentioned talking to a friend about it. I know for me, when I started podcasting, I joined a bunch of podcasting groups and it was really helpful because I had accountability and people to ask questions, but also just watching other people succeed. So why does that seem to be so psychologically beneficial to surround ourselves with people doing the same thing? Oh, that's such a good question. And it's a great transition to the second mindset block, which is the belief that people like me don't do things like this. So that one is a lot about your identity because the way that identity is created is basically through brimstone and fire. As an adolescent, you have this belief about who you are that you absorbed from your parents. In adolescence, you start looking around at your peers. You fracture your identity. It's really uncomfortable. You say, like, am I like you? Am I like you? Am I like you? You start acting like a crazy person, different with these groups than with that group. Sometime around the end of high school or the beginning of college, by and large, you release the pieces of your identity that don't work for you and you consolidate into a coherent identity. That's the process of identity formation. Oversimplified, but basically. And the commitment you hold to your identity is epic. You will do nothing that threatens your identity and your sense of yourself. So then when you go to start doing something new, if you hold a belief that the people who are like you and the identity that you hold don't do things like this, you won't do it either. I found that the biggest mindset shift that I've made around failures is to stop viewing failure as a dead end and start looking at it as more of a calibration. Then rather than being discouraging, you just view failures as new information about what doesn't work, which gets you closer to your goal. Sometimes that means a small shift and sometimes it's a U-turn, but it's still a step in the right direction. It's like that metaphor about how a missile works. So a missile is successful because it's always moving forward and it only corrects its course when it's responding to negative feedback. So if everything's good, it keeps going. But if it goes off track, it corrects itself. But it's important because a missile makes thousands of errors, but 
it just corrects itself thousands of times. I just think that's a cool metaphor also. Okay, so to recap. First is getting clear on our belief system about what is possible and finding a way that we believe will get us there. Second is finding a support system or people around us that help reinforce our new beliefs. Now, what is the third mindset block? So the third mindset block is a little different from the others because it's honestly about just being honest with yourself about how you feel about this. So this one is you don't actually want to do it. You just think you should want to do it. And when you are doing any number of things and anything that you set out to do, either the whole thing or pieces of it will be things that you beat yourself up because you're not making progress. But when you really look at it, you realize I actually do not have any interest in doing this at all, ever. I just don't want to. And this one has kind of a fork in the road, which I'm fine within limits for you to go down either path, right? If you realize, for example, I hate Twitter, right? And I was like, why am I not growing my Twitter? Why am I not interacting on Twitter? Why am I not retweeting? I'm failing at this part of my business. Why? And when I really realized that I just didn't want to do it, it wasn't a safe space for me. It felt chaotic. It wasn't good. I had an option, right? I had a choice. If Twitter was absolutely fundamentally necessary for my business, I mean, we'll talk about what to do. I'd have to find a way to stay there. But you can also put Twitter or beliefs of that you are not skinny enough to be acceptable or beliefs that you have to be rich to be worthwhile or any beliefs that have got you nailed down to an action that like actually really hate and don't want to do. If you realize that it's not really fundamental or important for your business or your life to do it, the best thing you can do is put it in a balloon and let it fly away. Just let it go. Don't do it anymore, right? So if you are holding this belief and you realize, I don't want to do it, I just think I should want to do it, and it really doesn't matter, then the work of it is to let it go and to handle when it pops back up and other people's expectations. And there's a bunch of stuff that you can think about in order to let go of something that's just an expectation. However, sometimes you find that you really do have to do it. You don't want to do it like your taxes. There are like four people in the United States who are like, ooh, it's tax season, right? I'm excited. I can't wait to read the new handbook. The rest of us, we have to do our taxes. We have to keep track of our receipts. We, there are things we must do. So we have to go down this other path, right? And that one is basically it comes down to the way you're attempting to value what it is you want to do. So there are two ways to value things, right? There's intrinsic value and extrinsic value. Intrinsic value is value that comes from inside of you. It's interest, curiosity. And if you can't be interested and you can't be curious, it comes down to an extremely explicit connection between the thing you want to do and your long-term goals. So when you realize every time I sit down to do anything with my invoicing or every time I sit down to do Twitter, for some reason, like I, maybe you're a reporter, like you have to be on Twitter, right? I have to find a way to make it work for me. Building interest and curiosity by reading the blogs, getting involved in the controversies, getting into the community, right? That brings us back to the community. 
will help you to develop interest and curiosity and have that intrinsic interest. But if you can't, then it's about writing down on a piece of paper or something. I have to do my taxes because I can't have a successful business if my money doesn't have a whatever, right? Like a, like a, an explicit connection. So that when you sit down to do it, you have a way in to intrinsic interest. Because extrinsic interest exists outside of you. Ex- extrinsic motivation, interest, value, right? It's basically, like, I should do this because that would make me a good person. Or I should do this because my mom would be really proud or all the cool people are doing it or whatever. That specific externalized interest, it does not hold any water when things get hard. It's fine to do something easy because everybody wants you to, right? If everyone's like, here, eat this ice cream. And you're like, I don't really feel like it. But eat the ice cream, okay, right? But ice cream, eating ice cream is not hard. But most of the things we're trying to really do are. So when they get hard and there's nobody there and it's just you, like you will, you will let it go because extrinsic reasons that exist outside of you, they just don't, they don't hold, they just don't hold any water. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting because I don't think most of us realize how many of the things we desire in life are really just ideas planted from society. Like, will that new car really make us happy? Do we want to be a doctor because... I feel in my fullest expression when I'm helping people that way or because that's what my parents view as success. So most of our focus is programmed by what other people view as attractive or impressive or expected. But what feels authentic to you? And it really goes back to Simon Sinek's famous TED Talk and book about finding your why. What's going to keep you waking up inspired? What's going to keep your attention through the failures and the hardships and bring you back to your purpose. It is. It is about that. But it's also about understanding and accepting through whatever means possible that your worth as a human being is unconditional. You got it at birth. There's nothing anybody can do to take it away from you. And their inability to see your worth is about their mirror being cracked, not about what you have that could be seen by somebody else. Because when we do things, you could be doing the exact same thing, right? Something altruistic, something awesome. But if you're doing it because you're constantly trying to prove your worth, it's going to be a house of cards, right? Like the minute it gets really hard, you're going to have a crisis of faith. The thing is going to fall apart in you. It's going to feel really awful. The exact same thing, if you're doing it from a place of complete worth, maybe as a way to figure out what your why is or in pursuit of your why or because you're so intrinsically passionate about what it is, the exact same failures, because you're not constantly assessing your worth against them. Just they feel circumstantial, right? It's just about how it's going. It's just like you're able to do what you've been talking about on this podcast, accept them as U-turns or course corrections. And it's about trajectories and all of that. All of that mindset comes down honestly The ability to do that comes down to a deep and fundamental understanding that your worth is unconditional. And if all of this mindset stuff is really hard for you, not you, but one, it probably comes down to the fact that you are constantly trying to re-establish your worth in your own eyes, but most of all through the eyes of others whose imperfections make it impossible for you to be seen as worthy all the time. You know what I mean? I can definitely see that as a thread in my own life. 
And it's funny because there was a time after college when I really started to worry if maybe I wasn't the kind of person who could follow through on anything, especially anything big. I was okay with structure or working for other people, but with my own stuff, I'd start out all pumped up and on fire, but it'd usually fizzle out before it was completely finished. Like I'd get three quarters of the way there. But when launching Mind Love, that was the first time that I really proved to myself that I could do something. But I did things differently this time. I went back to square one and did a bunch of purpose exercises. So I felt really confident that this was what I was supposed to be doing. And I also addressed my own limiting beliefs, which is funny because when I first started doing those exercises, it felt kind of cheesy. (laughs) But then right after that, something changed and all of a sudden I accomplished something. So I had to do the inner work before my outer woodwork. (laughs) You know what I also love about your story, your overall story that I'm sure people who listen to your podcast already know. One of the things you've told me a few times is everybody said I had to niche my podcast, but I didn't want to. So I didn't. And that is the, and you experienced that your podcast was very successful because you were serving your purpose. And I think because of the work that you did, you were able to make a concrete Ir- incontrovertible, irretrievable decision. I'm going to do what I think is right. And you experienced the massive success that comes when you stand in your power and say, yeah, everyone says, but I say this and you're right. And that is when we talk about how like your mindset gets you into a place where you can begin to make change, but it's the actions that actually heal you. That to me is a little bit of your origin story, at least the little bit I know about your story is you said, yeah, no, I'm going to do it this way. And that's why part of the reason why it's been so successful because it's, it's true to you. It's true to your heart and all the work that you did made it possible to do that. And now we all get to benefit from your power shining out into the world through this podcast, which is amazing. Oh, well, thank you. That made me blush. People can't see. (laughs) I'd love to get into some of these practical things. It's the start of the new year. People are working on their resolutions. I did my research and some of the most common new year's resolutions are losing weight, exercising more and quitting smoking, followed by managing debt, saving money and reducing stress. So for those of us who want to make some big change, 2019 is going to be different. After we overcome those mindset blocks, what are some of the best ways to get started on the right foot so we can make sure this change actually lasts and doesn't die off by January 14th? Totally. Yes. Let's talk about that. This is important. All of the mindset blocks that you hold are not about life. They're about something, right? They're about math. They're about my business. Within your business, they're about promotion, invoicing, whatever, like hiring help, whatever it is that you may make this goal that you want to do. So one is get really clear about the mindsets. But honestly, that's base camp one. It's not even step like base camp zero, maybe. It's not even step one, right? And then the second thing I would do, and I'll actually give you a link to a page that I created with this. It's called the Riverbend Planning document that I made for your listeners. It's amandacurl.com front slash mind love. You can put a link in that in the show notes too. Basically, The real key to making actual progress on transformational goals is, first of all, to give up on transformation because transformation is not a real thing. Instead of transformation, put all your eggs in the basket of accumulation, right? 
one little, you run little rock, one little rock, one little rock. Before you know it, 365 days later, you have an enormous mountain in your living room of rocks, right? That's how you actually make progress on big goals. Just do something every day. That's almost so nebulous. It's hard to make actionable. So what I have people do is you can set a goal. So I would like to make $100,000 in 2019, right? Could maybe be your goal. It's like a, an income goal. And you should do a little thinking around the kind of work that you like to do, but you don't want to get deeply committed to the how, right? If you've never made $100,000 before, would you really put you in charge of making $100,000 next year? No, not you today. So you have to allow yourself to grow and make better plans. So don't get caught up in the how for the whole year, but be extremely explicit and concrete about yourself. So you know, if you're getting closer to your goal, so something like $100,000 or running a marathon or building a team of four people or whatever, right? Then what you do is you look at the next three months only and you ask yourself, what is an accomplishment that would feel attainable, but aspirational, both attainable and aspirational? Because you do kind of know what you can do in the next three months. You have no clue what you can do in the next year. You'll blow yourself away. But in the next three months, you kind of know where you're at, what time you, what amount of time you have, and what could be like a stretch attainable but aspirational goal. Set that goal. Then ask yourself, what can I do this month? Right? So you have three months. So you set the goal for the third month in three months. What can I do this month that would feel like a concrete step in that direction? Don't worry that it feels like a third of the way towards your 90-day goal. I forbid you to worry that it feel one twelfth of the way towards your yearly goal, right? Just what can I genuinely do with what I've got right now in the next month? And then that's still not the most important part. Then the question becomes, what can I do this week to get me a little bit closer? Now, if you are, now there are sort of type A and type B people, right? If you're like fine with being kind of casual, then just do one really serious thing a week. But if you are hardcore about this, doing a much smaller thing every day might feel more like you're resolving and working towards something. But the key thing to keep in mind is the thing you might do this week is uh, find five accountants to interview, right? That could be the thing you're going to do in the first week of January. But if you're going to do something every single day, you have to make it much smaller. Like today, I'm going to brainstorm what I really want in an accountant. Tomorrow, what I'm going to do is send an email to my 10 closest business besties and ask them if they know of an accountant. And right, those are much smaller. So either way, you can do it. I want to do one big thing this week and kind of find your way there. Or you can every single day, but you start at that day. What can I do today? And it needs to be very small and it has to fit into your schedule. So if you do the things this week, they're every day or, or this week, right? And then you do the same thing next week and the same thing the week after that. And you've always got your mind on the one month accomplishment, which in this made up example might be to pick an accountant and send them my tax documents, right? Then you'll make it. You'll always make it if you keep your eye on the prize and you take one, you make, you take your dream, your goal, your whatever, seriously every day or every week, depending on your type. Okay. So I use the self journal by best self company, which I love, and I've turned a lot of people onto it. Actually, listeners, if you want to get 15% off a self-journal, just use code MINDLOVE at checkout. 
Well, every day I choose three tasks that move me closer to my big goal. And if I get those three things done, the day is considered a success. So that really helps uh, not getting burnt out and not overwhelming myself every day. But I realize that since I'm always focused on just the next three things, sometimes I can lose sight of what the big goal was in the first place. So I know I can do better there. What are your methods for that? How do you keep that big shiny prize at the end or the big goal in clear vision? Yes. So are you talking about the 30-day goal or are you talking about the yearly goal? Because there's different strategies. I guess I don't know. Let's break them both down. Your yearly goal is really big. And when you get towards the end of the year, that's why everybody starts to get very confused because it's getting close to when the goal is supposed to have happened and it's no longer lofty. But let's talk about the beginning of the year when most, frankly, most resolutions fail, right? The thing about the yearly goal is that you can, must not, you absolutely must not try to figure out how you're going to make it happen. So what you do instead is you savor it in anticipation. You give yourself over to anticipation every day. When I make $100,000, I'm going to have a VA who's going to do all my social media scheduling and I'm going to not work on Fridays. I'm going to pick my kid up at the door, like right after school, instead of sending him to aftercare. And I'm going to feel like this. You just sit there and just savor it, right? Like visualize it if you're a visual person. Just, I am not a visual person. I wish I was because it accesses your right side of your brain so much more effectively. So what I do instead is I write it out in my morning pages. So I try to save at least five minutes every day to really savor in anticipation the yearly goal. And that's all you have to do for the yearly goal is just to remind yourself of what it's going to feel like so that you can do your best to feel that way now, right? Because if you feel the way you want to feel, I mean, who knows why? As a cognitive psychologist, I have my beliefs about it's about priming in the brain and neuroplasticity and all this stuff, or it could be manifestation from the universe. I don't know. But somehow really feeling the way you want to feel every day makes that transformation happen really much a lot faster. I can say that with certainty. I think there's cognitive reasons. Maybe there's more energetic reasons. I don't know, but it definitely works. Now, the thing about the 30-day goal, which is different, for that one, I use a journal called the Go Journal, where you set 90-day goals. And every single week, you look at the 90-day goals and ask yourself, what three things am I going to accomplish this week? And then every day you look at your weekly goals, what three things can I do today to get closer to the week? That structure helps me a lot in seeing the pathway up to my 90-slash-30-day goals. And that helps me a lot. And what it also does that I think is really important for your, probably your extremely high-achieving listeners, right, is it makes visible what the successes you've already had. Because we get so caught up in what we haven't done yet. Why haven't I made $25,000? I'm supposed to be a quarter of the way to my goal. And you get so hard on yourself, but you forget how many incredible accomplishments you've already done. And you have to keep that visible to yourself as well. It makes it feel much more real that you're in pursuit of your goal. Then when you just forget all the things that you've done and the go journal has a great, and maybe your journal does too, a spot where you put, what did I accomplish today? And I love looking at it because I forget even in a week, if a week feels long, cause a lot was happening. And I look at my go journal at the end of the week and I'm like, what did you accomplish this week? And I'm like, oh, I totally forgot about that, but it was massive. I worked so hard and they liked it so much. And oh yeah, that was great. 
And then you remind yourself that you really are in pursuit of your goals because we're really hard on ourselves because in part because we forget how much we've done. Yeah, I love that. I think that tracking my small wins has been one of the most motivating factors for me. Also, if you find a community, it can be really helpful to share those wins with them also because you get this collective celebration. And a lot of times you can end up motivating someone else by just taking action. So in some of the Facebook groups I'm a part of, I like to share my wins along with a tip that I learned along the way. So it's actually helpful and not just bragging, but it still feels really good. Another thing I've heard of doing is getting a jar and writing your wins on little pieces of paper so then you can watch your jar fill up. Then when you need a pick-me-up, you can just pull one out of the jar and read it. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, I like it too. I haven't employed that one yet, but I might try it this year. I think it sounds fun. Oh, yeah, I like that a lot. You could do it on Pinterest too if you have like a private Pinterest board and you just put up a pin every time you do it and then you watch it fill up. Oh, that would be great. Ooh, that's kind of cool. You can call it your Winterest board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like also about your strategy because we're we're in a Slack group together. And what it also does when you're in a community like that, when you share your wins and your struggles and stuff, is you change the context of the conversation around you too. Because all of those people are stuck in these default mindsets where I have to do this huge thing or I'm or I'm not worthy. And if you show up, and I show up and we're in there saying like, I can't believe it. I did this tiny thing and I feel like She-Ra, this is amazing. Then their understanding of what success and accomplishment is actually comprised of, this accumulation, their mindset changes just because you're living your life intentionally and out loud, which is also a huge benefit to the communities that you're in. Yeah, a few people in the group have already mentioned, oh yeah, now hearing you guys speak, I know I'm not alone. Or oh, it feels better knowing that I'm not the only one struggling with this. And that's really one of the reasons for mind love is sharing and being open. I think it's so important to share anything, your struggles, what you're working towards, because we're not alone. A lot of us are dealing with the exact same things. There are a finite amount of problems that can be had, and there are billions of us. So It's so true. Yeah, I worked in education for a really long time. I still do, actually. I'm a professor in a school of ed. And one of the things we say to each other in the little community I'm a part of, which is this improvement science, which is the kind of methodology we use to improve schools and that I use to make change in my life and in others, my clients' lives. What we always say is it's not that we don't know what to do. It's that we don't know how to do it. The solution to all of our problems exists already. If we figure out how to talk to each other about the problem at the right level, right? The problem is at the, I can't find any accountants or I am so frustrated with wave apps or whatever. Clearly I'm in the middle of like trying to transfer my invoicing system. So these are all top of mind examples. That's the level that all of our problems are actually at. And that's the level where somebody already has the solution, right? And so just exactly what you were saying about if we talk to each other about the struggle at the right level, it, the struggle will be resolved and we'll all feel part of a community that's in pursuit of our dreams, which is much more satisfying and invigorating than it could be. So say we're working on our goals. I used to write these big lists of 100 resolutions that I wanted to do by the end of the year, but that was overwhelming. I'd normally not be able to get around to most of them, so I just felt like a failure. So now I just pick one for each of the main categories in my life, like purpose, 
travel, relationships. But I'm curious, what do you do? Do you have a method? So I'll tell you what I do. And I think a lot of this is just very personal and what truly will work for you. If you've never successfully carried out a resolution, try this, is what I'm saying. I like to have three goals. Uh, For one, to be foundational, meaning that it supports the stretch goals that you want, the stuff that feels like it's on the bleeding edge, full of failure, all this uncertainty. You want your foundational goal to support that. So that I usually like to have something that makes you feel good. So losing weight because you think it'll make you healthier but doesn't feel good is not your foundational goal. Instead, it's like, give me more rest. Give me more connection. Let me go out with my girlfriends more often. Let me watch TV shows that make me laugh a few times a week. Something that ups the ante on the feeling good, right? Because the next goal that you want to have is the stretch goal, right? The one that is on your bleeding edge. For me, it's becoming a big stage keynoter this year, right? So I am clearing my calendar and giving myself all this foundational love because I know that I'm going to be uncertain and vulnerable and uncomfortable trying to reach out to the big stages and putting together my keynotes. It's going to be hard, but I still want to do it. So I need to have a goal that supports it and then I need to have the goal, right? Those are the two. And then the third goal is one that's a little nebulous. It makes total sense to me that other people have said, I don't get it. So you tell me if you don't get it, (laughs) is what I call the feelings goal. Like, how do I want to feel this year? And for me, the difference between the foundational and the feelings is like the foundational concrete things. I'm balancing my calendar. That's really the goal. I'm going to not work on Mondays. I'm going to have deep work. I'm going to have no more than three or four meetings a day. That's the goal there. The feeling that I want to feel this year is spacious. I want to feel like I have the space to grow and cultivate my ideas and create and do deep work. So the feelings goal is more like, am I feeling spacious and expansive every day or and every week? And then how can I make adjustments to my week and my day to be sure that I have at least one moment where I feel expansive through like meditation or hypnosis or whatever it is you do for that kind of thing. So those are the three goals. And they're a powerful set of goals because you have the one thing that you're like, this is the year, this is the year. And one thing that's like, yes, and I'm going to take care of you. Right. And one thing that's, and I'm not doing it. If it's going to kill me, I'm going to do it by feeling expansive or peaceful or free or whatever. You know what I mean? Oh, I love that feeling goal because I don't think a lot of us prioritize to check in with ourselves and see how we're feeling. I'm in a women's group and one of the first questions they asked the first time we met was a word for how you're feeling that day. And I remember thinking, what? I've never asked myself how I'm feeling. (laughs) But one of the things I've been working on the most for 2018 was learning to listen to my body and actually feel. And it's such a good way to step out of the masculine and into the feminine, especially as entrepreneurs, we tend to live in the masculine or think that the masculine's the only way to get to the top. But really checking in with yourself and making sure you still feel good and making sure your goals still feel good and the track you're on still feels good is one of the best habits that you can get into because 
I think that those feelings are your connection to your soul. If it stops feeling good, it might be your body's way of saying, hey, something's off, or maybe you should pivot. So I love that. And also now I am totally pumped up for my own resolutions. (laughs) What are they going to be? Do you know what they are? Do you share with your audience that way? Let's hear it. I don't have them all ready, but I do have a word picked out for 2019. So 2018 was all about laying a solid foundation, but 2019's word is expansion. So I have some plans for that. And I know one of my goals is to launch my first course. A lot of my listeners have been asking for a more guided approach to transformation. So I've been working on that for a while now. Another big goal is to do my first big talk on a stage. And I think for my feeling goal, just came to me now is discipline. I'm not sure if that's really a feeling, but it's something I definitely want to employ in the new year as I make bigger things happen. Thank you for everything that you shared today. I have a lot to think about. For listeners who are resonating with you and want to learn more, where can they connect with you online? Yeah, thanks for asking that. So I have a website, Amanda Kroll, C-R-O-W-E-L-L, amandacroll.com. So that would be one place. I'm also on Facebook, which is facebook.com front slash changemakersunite. And that's a place where I post a lot of quotes. It's just a little place for the community to keep up with what I'm up to. If I'm speaking, I post that there. And if you do the mindset course or you poke around on the website, sign up for the list because I do, I write a lot of blogs. I write a lot and I'm going to write more next year. That's one of my foundational goals because I love writing so much. So my foundation is like, I'm going to really create content this year because it nurtures my soul so that I can get up on that stage. And also I'll do roundups of articles that I find around in a specific field where I feel like these are great, like, because I don't have all the answers, but what I really try to do is find the best answers I can and bring them back to my tribe. So get on the list and stay in touch. I hope this was helpful for you guys to make 2019 your best year ever. I know it was seriously motivating for me. All of the links mentioned in this episode are at mindlove.com slash 059. And also, I'd love to see any and all of you join me in Mind Love's 30-Day Mindset Transformation course that starts next week, January 7th. You have to sign up by January 6th, and there are some exciting exclusive bonuses for those of you who take action earlier. And I promise you, I have put my heart and soul into this course. I've taken the knowledge learned from reading over 110 self-development books, 60 expert interviews, and even scouring research papers. You guys, I went all in and I am seriously proud of this thing. It's a great way to put yourself first this year. Plus, since this is my very first course, those of you that get in on this first one will be extra dear to my heart. The input and feedback that you guys give me along the way will help shape the future of the course and you'll get lifetime access to any additional updates or bonuses. I'm launching at a price that will never be offered again. Plus, you'll even get exclusive discounts on future course launches. So this is a big deal. Don't miss it. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today and all year long, our first full year together. So I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 